the best people yeah. that I know that sits on top of their career, like directors, VPs, so like senior VPs, like chief design officers, like these people still have their mentors. They still have people that they talk to. And sometimes even people who are more junior than them, they consider their mentor because mentorship is just a matter of perspective what you can learn from that person. And for me, you know, that has been a deep part of my life. Hello and welcome to the Design is for Everyone podcast, a project that every week discusses the role of design in a global context and how we could become a tool for all, not just a few. This week, our guest is one of the co-founders of ADP List, Felix Lee. Felix is an engineer student turned designer that saw that the world needed a better way to help others learn. And so he created a platform for mentoring used by thousands every day. Okay. So I guess that's it. We're now recording and we can start and hi, Felix. Hey, Bruno. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you. And how, how's the weather on the other side of the planet? It's good. You know, raining these, these days, but the weather is pretty chill and it, it almost feels like summer, you know, it's all year round summer in Singapore. Yeah, that's okay. Well, that's not a bad thing. I would say know very little about Singapore. I have a few colleagues there, but it's cool. Okay. So. Welcome to the Design is for Everyone podcast. As always, I like to start these podcasts with a simple question, which is tell us a little bit about you and how you entered the world of design, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So I started my career in design about four years, five back. You know, I, I was previously an engineering student, so didn't really come from a typical design background or haven't really been to any formal schools or boot camps. And you know, I, I'm self-taught, so everything is, you know, online. Everything is by talking to mentors from around the world. And for me, that was how I learned and grew. So I've been here for about four to five years transitioning from engineering, and it has been an amazing, amazing journey so far. Well, that's quite an interesting journey for sure. And like engineering and design are sometimes so paired side by side, and there are so many people that kind of jump in between one and another, depending on, on their life journeys. But it's interesting. So you started as a self-taught designer. So you kind of had to figure out a lot of things, right? Where yeah. would you find your design learning? How was that? Like it was easy. It was difficult. How it, has it been for you to be a self-taught designer? Yeah, for sure. I think today, you know, there's a lot of self-taught designer globally. And I speak to a lot of them as a mentor on ADPs, right? And I'm sure a lot of ADPs mentors will agree as well. Those resources comes from either some free resources on Medium or YouTube, Coursera, uh, or Udemy. There's tons of website, you know, to name them. But I think the main inspiration that I always got was from people and real life experiences. Because when you kind of read, I don't know, like you probably have to just read one or two weeks or even just a month or so you realize like there is a pattern in the materials or you rather like realize that everything's the same. And, and then you start to go out there and talk to people and you realize that, you know, the real life is pretty much different from what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would attribute a lot of my learnings from talking to people, talking to mentors from around the world. I, I pride myself yeah. on talking to one to two new people every single week. You know, I think that's how I learn and grow. That's a really, that's a really good way too. I, I know that I've, spent my time in trying to speak with people, learn with new people digitally and physically. Although nowadays I would say digitally is the path. If you get less barriers, but you also are a little bit more safe during COVID times. Uh, but I get it. 
And you mentioned ADPillist, which is a project that you founded. So tell us a little bit more about how that became a thing. So you created a platform that helps people like you that are either self-taught or learning designers or people that just need help to grow in design, find mentors, which is such an incredible goal. I, I would like to ask how that came to be, what generated ADPillist. Well, sure. Thanks for asking that. I'm, I'm currently a co-founder and CEO at ADPillist, and our mission is to help democratize mentorship by providing people, you know, with entirely new, accessible and engaging way to find mentors and to get mentorship. You know, growing up, I grew up in a really humble family where the idea of self-studying and learning from people is very much ingrained in the way that me and my siblings were raised. And ADP list was created out of a need to bring people to support each other, which then turned into a global mission, a global platform today with over 3,000 mentors from 70 different countries on the platform providing mentorship. You know, we live today, we live in a world where the power of knowledge is shared in the hands of a few. And those few are people who can either afford it or people who can, you know, who has the right connections, right? Or who you know. And that is the main problem, you know, because a lot of people can't afford it. A lot of people don't have the right connections. And yeah, that is something that, that we aim to solve, you know, that, that problem with accessibility and uh, true equity in learning. Um, and, and that's just one part of the whole equation, right? And the other part is that people like ourselves who wants to give back our knowledge and who wants to share our knowledge to people, you know, and the rest of the world, that there's no easy place for you to do that. You, you go on LinkedIn, all you're providing is just like to people in your own network, but you can't really do that at scale. And so ADPs provides that opportunity for people to come here and say, I want to provide 30 minutes every week to meet someone and share my knowledge or an hour, you know, it's not a lot. And so why not, right? And, and ADPs provide that avenue for mentors to give back their, their knowledge across the world, right? And, and, and I believe that when knowledge is shared at scale, people everywhere have the chance to learn, um, and especially those who never had that opportunity. So this is how, you know, ADPs um, came about. You know, Jibs and I started this last year in April, a simple Excel sheet, a site project. Today it has become our full-time job running it. That's, that's amazing. Like it, it, and, and it's a full journey in a year from an Excel spreadsheet to what ADP list is nowadays. It, it, it's, it's such an amazing goal if you look at it. And even seeing the, the stories of people that have already been helped by this and it completely in line with what we're talking here in the way that I believe the design is for everyone and ADP list is giving that mentorship. It's giving that knowledge to everyone. It's such an important part of what I also believe in this project. So it's really great to see it grow with the skill that it is and in the way that it is, because it feels like there's a very welcoming community being created around ADP list which I'm also part of, and I gotta say, it, it's interesting to see how people kind of, even the ones that sometimes are more apprehensive to find the talk with mentors enter because I think AVP list gives them that open door, right? Like it's, it feels like a safe space for you to grow. Exactly. When, when we have people like yourself, you know, I think it's a safe space. Cool. Um, so. This is a very specific topic, mentoring. And yeah. ADP list came to be this giant, still growing community of mentors and people that share knowledge. But how did mentoring and mentorship 
actually became so important to you? Was it part of your journey? You talked a little bit before. How did you kind of ended up focusing so much on this? I think one thing that for me, when it comes to mentorship was really the notion of how do we actually grow through people, right? Uh, I've always loved the quote that, that says that you grow by standing on the shoulders of the giants. And for me, for, throughout my life and at any stage of my career, I think there will always be people who are better than you, right? Uh, whether it be in the skills that you're in or be it in the adjacent career, like always feel like there's something that you could learn and grow from. And for me, you know, mentorship has been a deep part of my life ever since I was a child. I've met great coaches. I when I was young, I played a lot of sports, music. And for me, these are people who are like my mentors who taught me skills beyond just what I was learning, but truly life skills. And for me, mentorship is just another word for perspective from someone who is either in a different place than you or in a higher position. And I think a lot of people think like mentorship is something that, you know, you get when you're a junior, but no, like the best people yeah. that I know that sits on top of their career, like directors, VPs, like senior VPs, like chief design officers, like these people still have their mentors. They still have people that they talk to. And sometimes even people who are more junior than them, they consider their mentor because mentorship is just a matter of perspective, what you can learn from that person. And for me, you know, that has been a deep part of my life. I almost consider people that I, that I continuously learn from my mentors. And, you know, even though there's no officially asking like, Hey, could you be my mentor? Because, yeah. you know, you can ask someone to be a mentor. That's kind of weird, but it's just a relationship. You know, you just kind of get into it, talk about things. And for me, that is really, really important for my group. So that's how mentorship became so important for me because it has really helped me to be the way that I am today. No, that's a great way to, to see it. And, and even the fact that mentorship is not just for juniors. I defend that, although I would say that I entered the world of whatever has to do with mentorship very late. I studied design, but I also am a little bit of self-taught in a lot of fields. And I was always this guy that wanted to do everything by himself. And for a while, I'm pretty sure that that just hampered my career, hampered my goals, and even not just career. Let's put it like this. It hampered the way that I actually build things. And it wasn't as great. And, and thinking of how now speaking with so many people, trying to figure out what I can get out of this conversation has become a key part of me developing my career so I can see the value in mentoring. But I also love to see how other people like you have come to it. And, and the, the quote you just said from uh, the Giants, it's completely true. Like even, and, and this is my personal experience, I'm on Twitter a lot since like two or three years ago. And I developed a community of people around me that I would say many of them act for me as like mentor type of things. There are people that I admire, that I like what they preach. I learn from what they say. And it's interesting how that changes the way that you build yourself in, in a sense. You included, because I follow you and I, and I started following ADP list because that's the thing. Like I, I love the mission. I, I think the mission is pretty valuable. And it's interesting to see how is the th how this works and how this thing works. And continuing on this topic and on talking with people and, and creating these networks, all of this ends up being part of a major topic, which is community and the involvement of people. What relevance do communities 
have in your path and in this thing? Because I know that mentorship is a very much one-to-one type of conversation, while communities usually are one-to-many or many-to-one, which is also interesting. And I feel like ADP list sits in this in this balance between these two universes and the mentorship system there. It's, it's a little bit like that. But I would love to know like your thoughts around how do communities fit this space? Yeah, for sure. So I think one thing that if you think about in terms of mentorship and communities that 10 years ago or five years ago, it might, it might not really make sense. But today, I think what we're trying to create is more than just a platform for mentorship, because I think that for me, the power of people has always been about creating somewhere where, we, where they can belong, where they can feel like, you know, regardless of who I am and what I do, there's a bunch of people here who are willing to talk to me. And I think that's what ADPs has done incredibly well. You know, a lot of people has asked me, hey, look, what makes ADPs so different? Because it's just so different. And you know, look, you guys have a great platform, great user experience and stuff like that. All right, but besides that, what is the exact thing that makes you look so different? And I always goes back to one thing and it's, so hard to quantify to, you know, experts or business people and whatnot, because these people are just all about numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but when I tell them, say, it's the community and they would come back to me and say, what do you mean by that? And I said, you know, what's so different about ADPs is the fact that the people inside, they help each other. They don't feel like this is a product, like they are part of a product or anything. They feel like they are part of something bigger. They, every single session, they feel like they are getting inspired there's magical conversations that they have. They meet amazing people around the world. It's a community of conversations. And, and you know, that's what we fundamentally believe at ADP. You know, and if I will share with you my manifesto, which I actually wrote a mm-hmm. um, couple of weeks ago, we imagine a world where ideas are accessible. We exist to bring out the best in people by building an open community where every conversation is a newfound perspective, where every person a new dream and people can progress forward by sharing. And that is a magical world of ADP list. And that is our manifesto, you see. And, and for us, the word community is so strong because this isn't just a platform. Yeah. It's a place where you can openly have your conversations. And we almost feel the responsibility to build a community around the platform to make it a lot more interactive, engaging, and have a sense of belonging. That's the most important part. That's an interesting way to put it. And do you believe that these are communities that have less boundaries, have more boundaries because they want to be as inclusive as they can. Because I know that there's a lot of conversations around creating safe spaces. And, and a lot of the communities that I barred off are safe spaces. But at the end of the day, what do you think that means? What is a safe space for those? This people? is a great. I think a safe space is where people can come here, be themselves, show vulnerability, you know, and ultimately seek to improve, right? I think the key word here is showing vulnerability in the name of, right? I think a lot of people kind of think that showing vulnerability means like you have to show a weakness. No, vulnerability does not mean weakness. Vulnerability is just another word of being uh, incredibly open about what you're facing. And when you think about the notion of ADKs, why it's so valuable is because people come here with a mindset of vulnerability from the very first day, right? Someone who needs advice in their career, someone who needs advice in, in their job, you know, they come here with a certain set of vulnerability and they are already taking the first step when they push that book button. And I think that's the magical part about ADPs that people don't see, but, you know, people are starting to see, in fact, and, 
as a co-founder, you know, I see this every single day is that when someone pushed that button and it goes to the other side of the mentor to accept or decline, it is a push of confidence, first of all, and it is a push of confidence that say that I have the confidence in you to show you my vulnerability and to be inspired by it, right? And I think that is a magical thing about it is that when you push that button, there's so much emotion, so much meaning behind that. Mm-hmm. Because someone is coming to you with an entirely new conversation. And that is what I'm so excited about every single week because I do my mentorship every single weekend, yeah. right? And for me, I know that deeper meaning behind that. And I just kind of wish that more people know about it. <laughs> no, but I, and, and the word vulnerability is one that people don't use too much. Like, I would say that whenever you enter the, the job market, people always go and see job ads that ask, like, for people that are resourceful, that are fast, that are uh, decisive. But there's lack of the openness to some of these things where it's like, if someone is open enough to learn, they usually don't use words like these. Vulnerability always feels like something that it's a bad thing for a business and for a person. But I would say it's it's actually a really good word when we need to start talking about what we can do as individuals. And sidelining a, a little bit on this, thinking about this vulnerability and the space that mentorship allows to, my project here talks about how anyone can enter the world of design. And do you feel like having that space for that vulnerability in the mentorship process or in communities nowadays has been welcoming more people that are non-designers that are turning into designers or that are wanting to join the design world. Have you seen that? Have you mentored people like that? What do you think? I, I mentor people like that and I meet people of all different backgrounds every single day. In fact, I get these DMs and messages and emails, um, quite openly and, 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 and you would know, you know, everyone who signs up on ATPs have that have my email. I email every single people on ATPs that joins and I tell them, Hey, look, I'm here, here to support. Let me know if there's anything I can help. And, you know, I, I've seen so many people coming from different backgrounds. The question is the community welcoming people like that? I would say hundred percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's a lot of talks about how people are discouraging someone to go into design or you know, like saying that maybe this is not for you and whatnot. I think there is a fair share of such comments, 100%. But I think overall is the community supportive. The answer is yes. You know, I think you see great contents putting out there for juniors. Uh, you see a lot of amazing uh, mentors advocating for these juniors and saying that, hey, we need to hire more juniors in our companies. Uh, we need more perspective and whatnot. You know, people are pushing it, right? And I think ADQs has the responsibility to be at the forefront of that and say, how can we uh, help these uh, people and these companies further the movement? Uh, we have a lot of mentors. We have a lot of mentees around the world. Um, and, and, you know, in a few years' time, hopefully millions of mentees on the platform uh, with all the mentors around the world. And then how do we push this movement, right? And it's not just for designs, but really across any different industry that any place might, might, might be in in the future. It's like, you know, how do we then encourage people who are going into these industries like design without relevant background, but still feel welcome and supported. You know, I think that is still a very big question, but overall, I feel like we are all in the right step. We are all positively stepping forward to a world where people are more coming and supportive of diverse backgrounds and whatnot. Cool. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And I'm glad that we can talk about a space that exists for people like this. The, the interactions that I've 
been having in the last few years with people that join design and change career paths, a little bit more like yourself, but even other people with, I don't know, I think the number of psychologists and sociologists and people that went from social sciences into UX in the last 10 years has grown exponentially and, and seeing that, that type of uh, learnings and, and capabilities entering the world of design and making it more about the people and more uh, humane in such a way, because the fact is when these people come in, they come in with a skill set that allows them not to just be user researchers, but to be better listeners, to be better and more active participants of the design process, right? And, and, and it's interesting to see how our, our communities that are open to receive them also speed up that process. How these people now are part of what we as an industry are, which I kind of feel it's great. And, and sometimes I wish I had some of their knowledge too. I'm kind of classically trained. I, I went through, like I studied multimedia design, but most of my training is on graphic design as a, the, the basic of basics. And nowadays I, I get much more value into the work that I do because I've worked with people that have different types of backgrounds or I learned from a lot of people online. And even the other day I, I was, I was reading about people that kind of been learning design by themselves in the way that that changes the way that their designs look at the end of the day, the influence that fashion and, and, and trends have on those people as creatives, which is interesting and see that this actually creates a different design, I would say, like if we're not, we're not all coming out of the same factory, uh, I would say that things start getting interesting and that, that seems fun. So we've been talking for a little bit now and you already heard all about ADP list, but for those of you less attentful to it, let's just resume real quick what it's all about. ADP List is a project that believes that mentorship should be accessible for all. They're a global community based on making genuine connections, a platform where people can find, book, and meet mentors around the world, and with the goal to foster an inclusive space and supportive network for designers, product managers, and engineers to come together, learn from each other, and strive to be better. Head now to adplist.org, and you can find a mentor or apply to become one and be part of this incredible community. Well, now back to the episode. Okay, continuing here, but probably moving a little bit on to uh, a wider topic, more on what design is for everyone is all about. I, I would actually like to ask you a question, which is like someone that has been working on design, although you have a, a more complete background because you're also, you came from computer science. Um, but now that you've been in, in this world for like four or five years, do you think that learning about design, practicing design has changed the way that you see the world and that you see things around you, how you interact with them? How, how the, how, how is that for you? Yeah. You know, I think design has really changed the way that I think about the world and the way that I look at the world, to be honest. You know, when I was a student in school, I, I remember there was this lecturer of my professor. Uh, his name is called Roger, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Roger is incredibly inspiring because he taught us that with the right perspective in life, 
uh, and on the world, you could do quite frankly whatever you want and however you want it to be. And I come to believe in that. You know, I come to believe in the notion that the things that are created around you are by people no smarter than you. And design has enabled me to see that in a whole new perspective, to understand that design is about intentions, right? Design is about understanding the intentions behind certain things, right? Uh, and the experience that it fits in the world. Design is in fact quite synonymous to the way that we live and the things that we use, things that we speak, that we see. And for me, it's like all five, six senses, you know, of trying to live that experience. And for me as a designer, you know, just looking at things around me day to day, you, you kind of view things from a perspective where you're just like, how can we do that differently? Or how is this so good? You know, sometimes when something is just so good, you just go inside and you're like, how is this experience so good? You know, every month at the end of the month, I would take a trip downtown, right? Yeah. Uh, from my house. And I would spend like a night there. And what happened is that every single time I would go to the Apple store, uh, at downtown. Yeah. Uh, and there's this amazing Apple store by the way in Singapore where it is floating in the middle of like this river. So it's like a circle. It's one of the most unique Apple store in the world. And you know, when I go in there, I, I just go there alone. I, I don't go with anyone and I just observe, you know, I just sit down and I observe, you know, observe the service, observe the design, observe the thing, the moment you walk in, you know, the temperature, the alignment of the tables, the cones, why they do it this way. And instead sort of wonder like, you know, is there a difference between maybe putting the genius bar first and then the display of the iPhones later? What is the difference in experience? How are the people greeting you? Every single little detail I love about it. And, and for me, sometimes I just walk in there and say, how is it so good? Right. And then you try to decipher it, you know, with design thinking and then the things that you learn, how is it so good? What if I change this? Would it be better? Right. Or what if like, you know, things like that. And, yeah. you know, and I start to observe a lot of things. And I, sometimes I even ask stuff. I said, look, tell me something about this store that I don't already know about. And I love asking that questions to people that work at the Apple store. Yeah. Because I just, I'm just curious, like, tell me something that I don't know about this store that is maybe like good or whatever. Right. And, and it's just simply quite profound, you know, the way that they, they designed it. And one thing that I noticed as well, and I'm not sure if anyone notices because it's so good. It's so invisible. Yeah. In the Apple store is that, did you realize that Apple store has something that's like, oh, no, Apple store doesn't have something that every store has. What do you think it is? They don't have something like this is a very, very key part of any store, but they don't have it. I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm the worst there to say that because I've been to a couple of Apple stores in my life, but we don't have Apple stores in Portugal because for some reason they are not licensed in Portugal. We have Apple, no worries. We have Apple resellers. They kind of work like Apple stores. They look a yeah. lot like Apple stores, probably not as well built, but yeah. yeah. But what I would tell you, they don't have a counter. They don't have a counter for you to check out your items. Yeah. You know, that people don't talk about this enough. People don't observe this enough, mm -hmm. but I can tell you that they don't have a counter for check-ins or checkouts or whatever you call it. They don't have counter because the counter is with the person who served you. It's just right in their pocket. When you want to buy, when you want to exchange something, whatever it's in the pocket, when you want to print a receipt, they just print it right under the table for you. That is how good the experience is and thought to the ground. It's that it is so similar, so good. You don't even have to move to a place to check out. You don't have to wait, you don't have to do anything. And you see, when you think about design, you start to think from a very different perspective that, wow, Apple is really, really good. And they deserve where they are today because 
it is so well thought of. Yeah. And when you look at multiple brands, you know, I think there's very few brands like Apple who really, really go deep and down to understand that kind of experience. And I think, you know, that is, that is to me, you know, the, the true essence of that. No, but it, it, it's great to, to I, I was listening to you as you were talking about entering the store. And my first reaction was his reverse, instead of say reverse engineering the store, is reverse designing the store. Like he is looking at things and trying to figure out how they were taught off, which I think many of us have done in our lives, either consciously or unconsciously. But the way that you talk about the experience at the Apple stores and some other great brands nowadays where design feels the most is where usually it is invisible and you talking about the no counters makes perfect sense like if you don't even notice that there are no counters for you to do a checkout because the store is constructed so that the person is serving you is the checkout then it's well designed they achieve the goal which is it's seamless it, it's not creating any type of problem for you there so that's amazing for sure. And I love and that is how I, yeah, And that is how design has changed my perspective of the world. Yeah. No, and I am one of those guys with a sucker for invisible design artifacts, like things that happen in the world that you never thought about, like why has this been designed or not? And what's, what's whatever comes out of that, like even little paradigms and, and design problems, like the, the, the classic Norman door. The fact that we need to talk about how a door opens if it's pushing or pulling the door and what's not makes you see the world in a completely different way. And uh, I don't know, listening to you talk about how you enter a store and you will look at everything and you analyze it. At least I don't feel myself alone because I do that a lot too. I complain a lot about store layouts, especially supermarkets. Believe me, <laughs> because like I'm the guy that wants to pack my groceries very well. And I want the heavy things to go on the bottom, but most of the heavy things that I get are always the last ones because those are the ones that yeah, the, the supermarket flows in most supermarkets here in Portugal. I get you on that. Yeah, and that that type of details always gets me. But it's interesting. Yeah, I think for me, design changed a lot on how, how I see the world. But actually, it I think when I started getting a little bit more of a definition of what design was, that I felt like I was already doing it, but I had a way to describe it. You know. Exactly. But it's interesting. It's interesting to also hear other people's perspectives. And I guess aside from that point, the last thing that I have to talk about, but we can go on and talk about other things if you feel like it. It's really just about the topic of this. I think we already talked about it a little bit when we talked about mentoring and the opening the space. But the, my question is always the same. Do you believe the design is for everyone? Yes or no? And in what sense do you believe that? or not? I think this is a sensitive question. It, um, it is. I, I, I know. I know. But again, I, I think, okay, I'll decipher this question. Design thinking is for everyone. Okay. And I fundamentally believe that everyone should learn and should understand design thinking. But design as the expertise and expertise is not for, right. uh, you know, some people are born analytical. That's why there are people born good at math. Some people are born artistic. That's why there are people good at vehicles, right? Some people are good at words, you know, good at literature, good at writing. That's why they are right there. And it's a very human being kind of thing that we're all talented in different sense, right? We all have different uh, expertise and talents. 
And so, you know, design thinking has to be learned because design thinking is a way of solving problem. It's a way of looking at a problem. I think that goes to everyone working on solving and understanding problems, right? Whereas design as an expertise is not for everyone, right? There could be things that are better suited for you based on your skill sets. And, and, and that is what I see, you know, I, I think yeah. there are some people who are really, which is why, you know, there's, there's a lot of designers that I sometimes I meet some of them and I'm like, hey, oh my God, you are so good at research, right? She like, he or she is really good at research. And I would say that, why not take a, take a crack at it, right? You'll dive a little bit into research, uh, you know, as an exodus and see how that goes. And eventually they end up doing really, really well. Because yeah, 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 yeah. You could see that their strength is somewhere, right? And I think as a mentor, as a friend, as a leader, your role is to guide someone to where they're good at, right? And I, and I think some people is going to take that, but you know, differently and say like, oh, you're just discouraging them from chasing their dreams. No, you're not. No, you're not. In fact, you're helping them to find where they're really good at and where they're passionate at, right? Because if if you would have been understanding the model of Ikigai, which is you know, Ikigai is a, is the model towards happiness and doing something sustainable. Mm-hmm. Right, that is that is absolutely necessary. First, you've got to be passionate about it. Second, you have to be good at it. And third, you have to make money out of it. Right? But what they don't understand is the Ikigai model. You know, they just don't simply understand that, right? Like try doing something that, that you are not good at or, or, or doing and whatnot. And then do that for years. Right? Whatever that will become your passion, you will feel dreaded because you're just not making progress on that. But as a friend, as a mentor, as a leader, I think you know we should we should understand where someone's strengths are and put them in the position to succeed. Because what you're good at, you achieve the results. Eventually, you're happy. Eventually, you know, those could eventually drive passion. And that's what we see. And sometimes yeah. the results drive for someone and be like, oh, I'm really good at this. I want to go in more, right? I think that ha- happens to so many people. Everyone in their life has that moment that I realize that, well, I'm really good at that. I want to dive a little bit more. And I think it's that as, as, as we go through our careers and our life, I think it is to help us, the people around us and ourselves to find that moment where you say, you know, I'm really good at this other type, right? And so yeah. design is not for everyone, but design thinking is for everyone. I, I love how you put that. I get how people still use that. I disagree that design is not for everyone. And I keep saying this because I think the problem is most people see design as the profession and being a professional designer, and I don't see it as that. And that's part of the conversations that I want to have here. Like the way that you've said, like design thinking, yes, the frameworks around design thinking and everything built with the Kelly's and, and IDEO has been preaching for years. That makes perfect sense. You know, like I, I love the way that design thinking opens the door to the professional way you use design in your day-to-day solutions and even in businesses and what's not. Yes. Although I do believe that even things like communicating better could be improved by having design as something that you learn instead of sometimes arts or something like that. Not that I don't believe that art is a good thing to learn. I believe that design is a framework between art and science that helps you ease into either the art world or the science world when it comes to how you use design. Much like, let's say, even reading and and speaking a language, but teaching people to learn how to read and to write a language. That's now a thing. 50 years ago, like 50% of the population of the world only knew how to speak a language, not to write it or read it. And that changed a lot the way that how people interact with, with information. If you look at the way that we use the internet right now, and it, the, even the fact that we're doing this and right now talking with you in English, which is not in my native language, and I 
talk with a, a lot of people around the world in English, but, and it, it kind of opened boundaries for me in that sentence. It's because writing and speaking and, and reading in different languages, even your native one, is something that became a thing. Same with learning basic education on school, but the same as other technologies and things that become more accessible. Like on the original talk that I did to start this project, I talk about how, for example, photography becomes something that like anyone can do because we decided to put a camera in everyone's pockets and now everyone can kind of explore the use of image and re or recording images and creating images. While 20 years ago, that wasn't a thing. The same with code, because the fact is we decided that if you know how to write and you know how to read, then you can probably also know how to write and read instructions to create things. But I also feel like jumping from, you know how to write and to read and you know how to think into, you know how to build things and you know how to logically create things, jumps the middle step, which is designed for me, which is give them intention, as you said before, right? And, and that's what I feel like design should be for everyone, you know? Think about it as if in school you had like an intro to design and you learned the basics of problem solving, a little bit of graphic design, and that's essentially like a standard kit for anyone in the planet. For starters, we would start starting having more, uh, better communications and clearer communication. This, and again, if you if you don't think this is correct, stop me at any moment. I just look. No, I look. No, I think like you know what one thing it is for sure. I think like what what you're saying is like you know design as as, as a career. You know that, that's that's what people always think about. You know, like when I think about design, yeah, it's always to be a career. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a career like like what you said. You know, it's really a sort of a way of thinking and a way of methodology, a framework. And I think, you know, back to the point, I think, you know, it, we, we are defining it in the same category, but maybe just in different sense, right? Like, you know, we don't believe that it should be everyone's career, right? Like there's, there's not something that we no, feel like everyone, cannot, but everyone should learn and understand define because it's just an important framework to solve problems, to look at the world. And I think that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it's the way that the world is created on the last episode I recorded with this guy called Matt McGilbury. Uh, you were saying that, like, think about if design didn't exist in the way that we create the world. If we did things, but we didn't thought about them and design them to work in a certain way. A road without road signs would be a mess. But what would be a road without design? Yeah, like, if you didn't design the road signs, that's already a, a problem. But what if you didn't design the roads? What if you tried to just take people from point A to point B and didn't think about and consider things like, is it going too steep? Are you going through something that you shouldn't go? Uh, is it dangerous? Is it not? So th that intentionality of things that I know, I, I think it's inherited to a human race. Like we try to give meaning to things. We sometimes overthink about it. Like one of my favorite TikTok accounts in the world is uh, a guy that d just does useless uh, inventions. They are useful, but they are useless because like you don't really need those, but you do. So he designed them on purpose to supposedly facilitate but they get to the point where it's something that you could do easily by just picking them up by hand or something. But the fact that he is thinking about it for me, it's already such a major improvement. Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. That idea of changing how you do things that feels very, very much in the essence of design for me. Like another topic in conversation that I, that I was having a couple of days ago was how countries 
in Africa, for example, where they had less access to education, you can see them use things that we would consider part of the design framework to reinvent how they build things. And, and it's interesting because they don't have the same training as we do, most likely, because the fact is Africa as a continent has lost access to information along the years because of history and the, all the things about it, the, the continent in terms of the abuse of people and everything. But, but they reinvented themselves and there are nations growing, they are creating solutions. And for me, that's still design. Thinking about how to create low budget housing because they don't have resources, that's still designed. There's part of it that it's designed. There are parts that are other sciences, there are other politic things. There's a lot of there, but seeing design outside the boundaries of what we still consider design, especially when we are in the tech world, which the moment you enter tech world, the, all of a sudden design is literally this, like a box. You get closed up, like you're, you're designing for screens, you're designing experiences. No. There's so much more around that, but we still do need other perspectives. And I, and that's why I'm so eager and so passionate about saying that this should be for everyone and everyone should have the possibility, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's, it's, it's spot on. I, I totally agree with that. Okay. So I guess that's it. That's the end of the conversation. That's the end of the day, but look. Felix, I just want to thank you, not just about the podcast, but all of, about everything else, about the the project that you've been handling, about the way that ADP List has actually been helping people. Thank you for accepting the invitation, of course, but most of all, thank you for, for the hard work that you've been putting out there. That for me, at least, it feels like you're helping my cause too, in your yeah. way, by doing yours. So I'm happy about it. Great. Um, I love that you have a perspective that it's a slightly different one from mine because that's what I want. I'm still trying to figure out someone that really doesn't believe in what I believe, like fully, but I, I want to have one of those in the podcast one day. I hope to have them, but well, for sure, you will have, you will have. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And also thank you so much for being part of the community. Like you inspire me more than, you know, you can ever think of. And I always tell that to mentors and people that I meet because ADPs is only as good as the people around it. So I want to thank you for that and continue to be working with you closely in the coming years and whatnot. And, you know, once the episode is out, I'm going to share it on my Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> as well. Thank so you for having me. Yeah. Okay. Well then, thank you, Felix. Thank you everyone that has been listening and see you all next week. Bye. All right. Thank you all.